thank you, worship team, and it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Daniel. I think Daniel is officially the youngest pastor I know. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see young people step in into ministry. Isn't that exciting? Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and, and it's an honor to be with you. I know a few people in the audience. I know Damien and Helen and Grace and a few other faces around. So it's just great to be here. It's my first time. Uh, uh, I lead a ministry based in Manchester called Prayer Storm. And our vision is to see a prayer revolution across the body of Christ. Uh, someone said this once and it really spoke to me. You go to church on a Sunday morning. You find out how popular the church is. On a Sunday evening, if there's an evening service, how popular the pastor is. On a prayer meeting day, how popular God is. And oftentimes you find that in the Western church, prayer meetings are not that popular because people find it very difficult to engage with spiritual activities like prayer because sometimes it's often challenging on the flesh. And prayer is one of the most powerful things God's called us to as his people. So we want to see the body of Christ across the nation and the nations mobilized en masse in fasting and prayer. So I'm excited you're doing that even on Monday. Uh, so with the ministry I lead, we do a lot of prayer gatherings, days of fasting and prayer. Some of you have been to some of our gatherings. We do gatherings in Manchester and London and different parts of uh, the UK, sometimes other nations too. Uh, but we've been doing this for about 10 years now. Now, my parents are missionaries, so I was born in Liberia. My dad is from Nigeria, my mom is from Ghana, and my wife is from Stockport. My wife is right there at the back. Do you want to wave, Rebecca? You can see over there. So my wife is pregnant. We've got a baby due in November. <laughs> I've got a six-year-old. somewhere out there with the kids. So um, it's just an honor to be with you. And uh, we've been doing this for many years. And we believe God's heart is to see his church awaken to the place of prayer and seek in his face. I never used to enjoy praying. In fact, I remember times where as a family we'll get together to pray. And I just found it really boring. And my mom wanted each of us to kind of say prayers. And I just didn't want to do it. But something I couldn't shake away was the fact that every time, well, not every time, but many times I go into my mom's room uh, to ask her for something. And I find her on her knees praying. And something about that really uh, convinced convicted me just seeing my mom on her knees praying I don't even know why I was convicted but then later I realized this something happens to you as a believer when you see another believer doing something you know you're supposed to do that you're not doing that convicts you about doing it <laughs> that was what was happening to me <laughs> I was being convicted and God started staring my house so if you got your Bibles I'd love you to turn to first Samuel 1 First Samuel 1, and we're going to be looking at the passage here. I'm going to be talking about prayer, but it's a bit, there's a, there's a few things I feel are prophetic in this story. Uh, and it's not just prayer, but it is very much connected to prayer. Uh, and some of you would know this uh, story is about um, Samuel, how he was conceived. Um, so we're going to start from uh, verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James. Um, now, there was a certain man of Ramathiam, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah, did, Hannah, Hannah had no children. This man went up from this city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts, in Shiloh. Also, two, also the two sons of Hophni 
sorry, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give five portions to Penina, his wife, to all her sons and daughters. Note those words, sons and daughters, okay? And then verse 5 now. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed the womb. So it was year by year that she went up to the house of the Lord, that her rival provoked her. Therefore, Hannah wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose, and after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish then she made a vow and said O Lord of hosts if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant but will give your maidservant a male child that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head and everyone said amen everyone said amen, amen. good so um, there's a law in this story I'm going to bring out that I feel is very uh, necessary for the people of God right now. And I want to start by making this point that uh, oftentimes when we talk about intercession or we talk about intercessors, uh, from my experience, a lot of people count themselves out in the body of Christ. Like, I don't think I'm an intercessor. In fact, even when God called me to start to lead this ministry called Preston, by the way, I am as amazed as anyone that I would be leading a ministry called Preston, considering the fact that I didn't really enjoy praying. So when I started leading Preston and hear people call themselves intercessors, I would count myself out and say, no, I don't think that's me. Because I had a mindset of what an intercessor was or what an intercessor was meant to look like. I guess some lady that has nothing else to do and just prays all day and, you know, is, you know, some strange out there. So I didn't really have a concept of what a real intercessor was. But as I've grown in my relationship with God, I realized that there is no such thing as a gift of intercession. There is no such thing as a gift of prayer. And actually, intercession and prayer, because they're slightly different, but they're very much related, it's not just for specific people, it's for all of us. I mean, a moment ago, Grace and the team were leading us in worship. You didn't stand up, hopefully, just watching the team up here singing and going in your head, oh, guys, can you do my worship for me? No, they weren't up here to do your worship for you. They were up here to lead you in worship. So first and foremost, they're worshipers, and then there's a leadership grace that comes on them to lead all the people to worship. Now, because I am not necessarily a singer, my wife is a musician and singer. I'm a musician, but I'm not a singer. If I started singing, it probably end up being a distraction to you in the context of worship because I am not really blessed with a voice that's going to aid your worship. You're probably going to get more distracted by me. So I don't really feel like I'm called to lead people in worship in that way. But there are people who have got great voices and great hearts, and they're worshipers. And when they get up to sing, everyone's heart is stirred to also release their worship to heaven. In the same way, when you look at prayer, some people have a heart to seek God in prayer. And some people will spend hours and hours and hours just praying. Now, for most people in the church, you look at those people and say, well, they're the 
intercessors. Actually, they're more like leaders in intercession. And they're there to stir our hearts so that all together we can be people of prayer. There is no such thing as a gift of prayer or gift of intercession. There is a grace in prayer and a grace in intercession. Now, I feel like I'm one of those that God's called to be a leader in the area of prayer in the body of Christ. But I don't think my job is for you all to send all your prayer requests to me so you outsource your prayer life to me and I do all the praying and you just say oh James hey just pray for me here pray for me there and do this and 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 so I just do all the praying and you just send me all the prayer requests that's how many people think but even though there's nothing wrong with asking people to pray for you you really cannot outsource your prayer life God expects you to be a prayer warrior yourself and don't think oh well it's not for me I don't think I'm a person of prayer well listen God himself intercedes think about this Jesus is an intercessor. He says he's at the right hand of God. The Bible says at the right hand of God, make an intercession for us. According to Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is also an intercessor. So two-thirds of the Godhead intercede. So don't you tell me intercession is for an old lady at the back of the church that has nothing else to do. God himself does it. So just like we're all called to worship, we're all called to pray, and we're all called to intercede. In essence, intercession is standing in the gap. You know, you're standing between uh, 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 a situation and God, and, and you're calling on God to break through in a situation on your behalf or someone else's behalf. You're calling on God. That's what intercession is about. Now, this person, Hannah, I believe captures a picture of the type of intercessors that God is wanting to raise up in these last days. Now, I want you to say this to me. Say, I am an intercessor. You may have never said that before, so I'm going to get you to say it again. Say, I am an intercessor. Good. So you're called to pray, to talk to God on behalf of situations, on behalf of things going on in your family. Your voice is important. As an intercessor, you stand in the throne room of God according to what it says in Ephesians 1. We're seated in heavenly places. We're in that throne room. In that place where we're seated with Christ, we have a voice to him representing mankind so we are like an we influence the affairs of the earth by speaking to the lord about what's going on earth not that he doesn't know it already but he wants us to communicate with him because he set a system in place and the system is this that god does not interfere in the affairs of man until man invites god to come and do what he actually wants to do Not that God is not able to do whatever he wants to do. He's able to do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to work with man. Think about the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, and God says to them not to eat the fruit of the garden. And obviously God says to them, I'm giving you dominion over the earth. God gave them and delegated authority to them. Now Satan came in the form of the serpent and tempted them to eat the fruit. Now, while Satan in the form of the snake was tempting Eve... Have you ever thought of the fact that, well, why didn't God interfere or intervene in that situation, in that moment? Say, Eve, stop it right now. Why? Because God had given her authority, her and Adam authority, and he had delegated that to them and was expecting them to live based on that delegation, to activate their will in obedience to him. He wasn't going to control them to do what he wanted them to do because that would not be coming out of a place of love. Because if you have love, you can't have control. You have to have the free will to be able to choose what you want to do. So right there, God delegated authority to man. And because of that principle, God does 
not just interfere on the earth without finding a man or a woman or people that would agree with what he wants to do because he has given us the authority and the influence over this planet. Are you with me? Does that make sense? I hope it does. <laughs> so here you have Hannah. She's in a situation where she is the second wife and there is another wife who's got many kids and Hannah has got no kids. When I was reading the passage, I was reminding you uh, as we read it, to I was emphasizing the words sons and daughters because the Bible says the other wife, Penina, she had sons and she had daughters. Now, sons and daughters means she had at least four kids, okay? So more than one. She had four kids and Hannah had zero. So in that kind of a culture, even today, but more so back then, it was like a stigma. It was an embarrassment to be married and have no children. So she's feeling embarrassed and she's feeling the pressure of wanting to have children. And she doesn't realize that God had almost orchestrated her situation. Do you know the meaning of the name Hannah? According to the dictionary of first names, Hannah means God has favored me with a child. How can your name be God has favored me with a child and many years down the line from being married, the one wife has four and you have zero. And your name is actually a contradiction to your situation. So here you have Hannah. She's placed in a situation that's a contradiction to her name. But God was allowing that personal conflict. It was like she was in a place where there was, there was a personal frustration. But the personal frustration was divine orchestration because God was bringing her to a place of consecration because he was going to elevate her into a new dimension. Are you hearing me today? <laughs> she thought God was keeping the child from her, but God was orchestrating a situation to release something that the earth had never seen before. Now, the other wife had many kids. Can you name any of them? No, because the Bible doesn't even name any of the other kids. She had lots of quantity. Hannah was called to give birth to quality. And because of what she was called to give birth to, she had to go through a certain type of situation because of the weight of what God was calling her to release in the earth. I have noticed, it seems to me, like some of God's greatest intercessors, and by the way, that's you and that's me, some of God's greatest intercessors have often been through some of the most difficult circumstances in life because God forges his intercessors in the crucible of afflictions and tribulations. And we become Christians and go, yay, God. And oftentimes, the Western Christian mindset is all about God trying to make us comfortable. And actually, God is not trying to make you comfortable. He's often trying to get you out of your comfort zone. Because comfortable people don't change history. And the whole mindset in the Western church most times is all about trying to get to the place of comfort. But God wants us to step into his comfort zone, which oftentimes is not our comfort zone. And he challenges the status quo. But as long as we just want to be nice, calm, cool, and collected, and not, not rock the boat, and not do anything that, that's scary, or not, not step out in faith, we're just going to carry on being nominal Christians that are making no impact. But if we want to change this region, and if we want to change the world, then God is going to start to prepare us through tribulations and trials, but actually he's forging in us the heart of a true intercessor that would give birth to revival. 
We want to see God move, right? We want to see nations change. We want to see our families change. We want to see all these amazing things. And it's not that God doesn't want to do them. God wants to do them. But sometimes the very thing we're praying for can become a distraction. If you don't believe me, you, want, you probably want to ask the disciples. The disciples, after Jesus was resurrected, they went fishing. This is in the last chapter of the book of John. They went fishing, and they... Uh, they were out fishing all night, the Bible says. Everyone say all night. Yeah, so that's not two hours. Lots of hours of fishing. Morning comes, Jesus shows up on the shore, resurrected Jesus now. They didn't realize it was Jesus, and Jesus tells them to cast their net on the other side. They cast their net on the other side, and they call this fish. And then John, the prophet, realizes it's Jesus. He identifies Jesus, and then Peter jumps in the water and reaches Jesus. J uh, Peter gets to the shore, and the disciples eventually get to shore, and Jesus is at the shore with fire, and there is fish in the fire. The Bible doesn't tell us where the fish that's in the fire came from, because they have fish on the boat. Are you, are you tracking with me? Now, look at this. They spent all night trying to catch fish. All night. That's a lot of labor. In one moment, one word from God enabled them to do what they could not do in their own strength, supernaturally. And when the miracle came, they left it to get back into his presence. They didn't stay on the boat to eat lots of fish, enjoy a boat full of fish. They were able to live the blessing and get into the presence. Because sometimes the prayers we pray and the things we want God to do for us, many times when he does it, the blessing can become a distraction from him. The move of God can become a distraction from the God of the move. And I've been in ministry long enough to understand that. You can fall in love with working for God and not God himself. You can fall in love with the hands of God and the blessings of God and not the face of God. So it's not that God doesn't want to do great things in our lives, but sometimes he holds back what he wants to release to take you through the process of preparing you so that you can handle the weight of what he releases and it does not destroy you when it comes. So we want revival, we want our nation changed. And God's like, yes, I want to move in this nation. I want to move in your family. I want to move in community. But first, I want to change you. You're saying, God, move out there. You're saying, God, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done. Well, the question is, is, God kingdom, is God's kingdom coming in here? And is his will being done in here? If his will is not being done in here, I don't have the authority to command it to be done out there. Because God is more concerned about the inside than just what's looking good on the outside. God is concerned about the state of your heart than the display of your life before the masses. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that says, The pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. And that's why oftentimes we don't like prayer. Because when you get to the place of prayer... It's like you're naked and you've got nothing to hide. It's very uncomfortable because you can feel the pressure of the flesh. Next time you get on your own and you want to pray and it feels boring, I want to remember this. God is not boring. You are. How can God be boring? Think about it. The one who created you and all the humans on this planet. Just think about the complications in the human body, the simple organ of the eye. How complicated that is. How can the God who did that one, how can that God be boring? So when you're finding prayer boring, it's not that God is boring. It's that you're encountering the barrier of the flesh. 
because you've been feeding your flesh so much food, so much entertainment, so much everything the flesh wants you give it. So now it's time to feed the spirit and your spirit is so quiet and so little because you've been feeding the flesh. So when the spirit and the body end up in a fight, temptation, the one you feed the most wins. Feeding, all your, feeding your, your body all the time. So now you want to worship, you want to pray, and you don't feel like it. Well, you're not going to feel like it because your flesh has been too loud. That's why you need to say, flesh, shut up by fasting. <laughs> Are you hearing me today? By the way, I, I, know, I know I can be intense, but you just got to hear me. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. You have to learn to quiet the voice of the flesh by submitting yourself to the Spirit. And sometimes you do that through fasting. That's why what you're doing on Monday is very important. So here you have Hannah. Hannah is in a barren situation that was orchestrated by God for her to birth a revival that would not just change that nation but will impact the whole world. She has no idea that the difficulty she's going through is actually a sign of God's favor on her life. You don't believe me? Ask Mary. Mary is pregnant and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that we believe crazy things as Christians? How would Mary go to her husband and say, hey, I'm pregnant. And by the way, a ghost got me pregnant. Can you see how that makes no sense? But yet, that was what God did. And by Mary getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she was a crazy woman to everybody around her. In fact, she was going to face persecution. And yet, when the angel came, he says, Mary, you're highly favored. Look at that. She's facing persecution and the word of the Lord about her life was she was highly favored. So could it be that the situation you're complaining about is actually a disguise of the favor of God on your life? You never saw it and you're complaining about it, but actually God allowed it for it to make you into the warrior you're called to be. <laughs> I'm getting excited right now because somebody needs to realize that you're not just going through these difficult circumstances for no reason. Actually, God is making you into a warrior, into one that's going to impact the masses. The, the challenge is not so much about you as it is about the people you're called to impact. And the devil does not go to fight where there are no spoils. And if you're facing opposition... Don't get distracted by the opposition. Know that God is making you. Remember what it says in Psalms 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You know what many Christians do? They make their bed in the, in the valley of the shadow of death. That's not, the, that's not what Psalms says. I walk through. In other words, as a believer, God is not called to just have an easy life. In fact, God is going to allow certain things to challenge you so that you grow. You know, when you go to the gym, some of you go to the gym, you can't get bigger muscles if you don't lift bigger weights. Now, you know, I look skinny right now, natural. In the spirit realm, I'm not skinny. I guarantee you that. I am like Arnold, you know, Arnold, the, 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 the senator, I was a, the actor guy. Big muscle, and every one of us has the same potential to be muscular, especially men like that. If you work out the same muscles that he worked out in the gym, but you don't get that kind of muscle by just sitting down and watching TV all day. You have to lift some weight. And when you lift the weight, this is the favorite word we love in Christendom. It's spelled P-A-I-N, pain. Pain is the process that God uses to force some muscles in you. So here is Hannah. She is going through pain, but her pain gave birth to a prayer that gave birth to a prophet. 
So she wasn't just going through the situation for no reason. God was forging something in this woman. And she got to a moment when she released the prayer, which is recorded right here. The prayer that we read in the book of Samuel that Hannah prayed, I guarantee you, that was not the first time she prayed for a son. She would have prayed for a son many other times. But what we have recorded right here is the prayer that released the final breakthrough. Some people start praying and they go, Lord, I prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for two weeks and nothing happened. I prayed for three weeks and nothing happened. Listen, if you're going to be a warrior, if you're going to be the intercessor God has called to be, you don't really need, you cannot afford to accept giving up as a way of living. Because you pray twice or you pray three times, it's not happened, does not mean you just give up. Intercessors are like warriors. Warriors do not go into the battlefield and then when it gets difficult, they run back home. Their mindset, I'm going into that battle to win, and there is no other way. I am going to pray till the end. And you see, in our Western culture, there is such a spirit of cynicism and unbelief. Even in the church, they're unbelieving believers. In the church, they don't believe the word of God, and they're still singing songs. And God is like, listen, if you really want to make the impact I'm calling you to make in your generation, you have to recognize that there is an oppression in our society against your faith. And it wants to keep you in unbelief and doubt and cynicism. They're Prophets in this book that spoke prophecies that they never saw come to pass when they died. But they died in faith. So I would rather go to my grave in faith than in cynicism, unbelief, and doubt. I don't know about you. So I'm contending for moves of God. I'm contending in prayer for certain things. Even if I don't see it in my generation, I'm telling you, my children will see it. Because listen, prayers never die. They just accumulate in the realm of the spirit. So the fact that you're not seeing the manifestation right now does not mean nothing is happening in the realm of the spirit. Listen, if your spiritual eyes were to be opened to see what really happens when you pray, you will never want to miss a prayer meeting after that. Because there are angels around. (laughs) There are demons being freaked out just because you decided to get in your room and say, Lord, I honor you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I just want to go deeper in you. Whatever it is, you pray. because you're engaging with heaven, everything in the kingdom of darkness hates that. If you were to see the reaction in the spirit realm, you will never want to miss a prayer meeting ever again. The problem is you don't realize what's happening when you pray. That's why you think nothing is happening, because you feel nothing. Can I remind you, you're not a feeler, you're a believer. So you don't live by feelings, right? (laughs) We walk by faith, not by sight. So here you have Hannah. She's praying her, uh, she's crying her, her, get the word out. She's crying her heart out to God for a son. And she's praying. And she's praying intensely. And you see, he says she was in a place of bitterness of soul. Pay attention to what you do, the words you speak, when you're in a place of great emotional turmoil. You've got to be very careful because in this place of great intensity of emotion, she released a vow vow that caught the attention of heaven. But you realize the opposite happens for many believers too? In a place of emotional intensity, of frustration, of anger, of hurt, some people release words over their own life or over other people, and they don't realize those words have got a lot of potency in them because of the depth of emotion behind the words. If your prayer is not moving you, why should heaven be moved? 
if you're not bothered and you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, why should God take that prayer serious if you yourself are not that bothered? This prayer that Hannah was praying was not just a flippant prayer. It was coming from the depths of her heart. And prayer, effective praying, is not about nice, articulate words because God doesn't speak English. God doesn't speak. God speaks the language of the heart. So it doesn't matter how nice your word sounds. If your heart is not in it, God is not taking it serious. It's the heart behind the word. It's not even about the volume. Because over here, Hannah wasn't shouting. But there was intensity in a prayer. Listen, there are times where you don't know what to pray because you're so overcome. And all you're doing is just crying out to God. Do you realize that heaven is hearing those cries and decoding it and understanding exactly what you need in that moment? Because prayer is not just about all the nice little words you're speaking out. God can decode what you're saying even when you don't have words. And all you can do is go, oh, God. (laughs) And in that cry is everything you're feeling in that moment. I'm telling you, effective praying is not about getting all your words right in the right order and all that stuff. It's about getting your heart first right with God. So when you speak, you're coming from a place of integrity of heart and the Lord pays attention to that. That's, that's good news for us. Because some people look at me as I'm leading prayer and go, oh, I can't pray like that. You don't have to pray like me. You don't have to look. Like, you just have to be you. You do you and I'm going to do me. This is me, okay? I'm not trying to put on a show. This is actually me. <laughs> So, so if you're going to do you, I'm going to do me. Don't be intimidated by me being me because I'm not going to be intimidated by you being you, okay? Let's just be who God has called us to be and allow our identity or our personality to be reflected in our spirituality. We can't, you can't just disconnect your spirituality over here because I saw some people, or I see some people go to the football games and go all crazy. They go all crazy for their football team, but they come in the church and act like frozen chickens, I'm like, I'm sure you were going all crazy for that football. Why is a football team having more of your emotions than God? Why is a football team having more of your excitement than God? Because the football team is not going to do anything for you. And the God who saved you, who healed you, who delivered you, you're right there. You're like, oh, yeah, God, how great is our God? You're not even bothered. There's nothing in. Why is God going to listen and take that seriously? Because you're just going through the motions. And I'm like, well, I'd rather God have everything in me than some football team or some whatever else out there. Because the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You cannot do that and your emotions be disconnected. That's impossible. If you're going to love with all your heart, your heart is going to be in it. Your emotions are going to be in it. Your life is going to be in it. And you know what? That does not leave a lot of room for other lovers. Because God wants all of you. (laughs) Not just some of you. All of you. So if you want to have all of God, you have to give him all of you. You're saying, God, I want more of you. And God's looking at you saying, I want more of you. You want more of God, he wants more of you. You can't have more of him if you don't give him more of you. Where is this more going to come into when your life is full of all the entertainment and all the distractions of this world? You're full of all this stuff. And yeah, you, you come to you on Sunday morning, Lord, I want more. Next Sunday, Lord, I want more. Next Sunday, Lord, I want more. But all through the week, you create no space for him. Even if he was going to give you the more, where is he going to fit into your busy life? Right? So God wants all of you. And Hannah put her whole self into this prayer. Now, how much time do I have? Okay. (laughs) Um, Hannah was in this place of intensity of emotion. And right in that place, she released the prayer. And I believe there's something about the way she prayed that actually brought a shift and breakthrough. Up until this point, maybe Hannah wanted a child. 
because she did not want the embarrassment of just being the other wife that has no, no, no kids while the other wife has four kids. But when she got to a place in the prayer where she took the focus of herself and she shifted the focus to God, you know what happened? She died to the very thing she was craving. How do I know that? He says, Lord, if you give me a son, I'm not going to take him. I'm going to give him back to you. By saying that, she died to the very thing she was craving. Could it be that sometimes God wants you to actually die to the thing you're craving so much, you want him to do for you? Because sometimes your prayer request can become an idol. That's all you're thinking about. That's all you know. And God is like, I am bigger than that. And because you're so consumed by this thing, it could be that this thing can actually take you off track. <laughs> Are you hearing me today? So when she died to that, God is like, okay, now I'm going to entrust you with it. John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat die, dies, it abides in itself. But when it dies, it can bear forth much fruit. There are things that you never receive in God until you learn to die. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. You won't rise to the places and influence, not just in society, but in the realm of the spirit and the impact God has called you to have if you don't learn to let go. I'm going to round up with this. Now, Hannah was praying for a son, but heaven was pregnant with a prophet. Because Samuel was in heaven with God and God was about to release him into the earth, God said to himself, this is just me thinking, imagine this how it happened. God said to himself, this magnitude of a prophet of Samuel cannot just be placed in any common womb. We need to find a womb that really values the weightiness of what we're about to release. So Hannah was placed in a barren place because that barrenness caused her to release a cry. And that cry was what heaven needed to hear to unlock what it was pregnant with. There are things that God wants to release through the body of Christ and through you. And he will not release those things until your prayers leave you. For example, let me, let me give this example. Solomon prayed and fire fell from heaven. Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven. On the day of Pentecost, they prayed and fire fell from heaven. Do you know what that means? For fire to fall from heaven, prayers must leave the earth. God is not going to release what he wants to release if we don't release what he's called us to release up to him. It's like a transaction. The famous scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, and the Lord says, then I will hear. It's like an, almost like a transaction. The Lord is saying, if you will do this, then I will do that. It's a condition. And there's some things that God wants to release. He's not going to be able to release until you learn to put yourself in total surrender to his will and to his purpose. And Hannah stepped into that, into that reality when she released her cry for a son and she actually died to it. In that place, it was like heaven was like, we cannot withhold what we're wanting to release. We've got to release it to this woman right now. And heaven gave her Samuel. I'm going to finish with this. Listen. It takes an intercessor of the death of affliction of Hannah to birth a prophet of the magnitude of Samuel. And it, it, it's amazing that Hannah, sorry, Penina had many children, but we don't know any of their names. Even though they all had the same father as Samuel, 
Do you know why? Because no one remembers what comes easy. Yeah, can I have the musicians up, please? No one remembers what comes easy. <laughs> this is powerful. When you take the path of least resistance, you never birth anything memorable. If all you're looking for is the easy way. The way God is choosing to form us as warriors, it's not always going to be easy. So, right here in this room, there are people at different levels of situations going on in your life. Maybe you're finding yourself in a barren place and you're thinking, God, I don't understand why I'm in this situation. Instead of just complaining about the situation, how about you pray like this, Lord, how do you want to use this to make me into everything you've called me to be? How can I submit myself to this process and come out of this, walk through this valley of shadow of death and come out on the other side a better person and not a bitter person? No one that's just offended at you, God. Lord, I want to come out of this stronger so that I can help other people. You're not going to be a voice for God in your generation if you don't go through anything. You have to go through something. But that what qualifies you to impact your generation is that you come out on the other side. And God can entrust you with such a grace that when you pray, when you speak, when you talk to people, when you do your business, when you do your speaking at church, whatever it is you're involved in, there's great impact, not just by your gifting, but by a force, a grace from heaven that's able to get through you. Do you understand with me? Because I'm done. The birth of anything valuable comes through pain. But I believe many of us have kind of given up on prayer. Lord, I prayed, and I have not seen much of a breakthrough. But I believe God is wanting to encourage you this morning and say, Arise, 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 warrior. You may not feel strong. You may not feel like a warrior. In fact, you may feel weak, like you don't enjoy prayer. You don't want to spend time with God. You know, God is not after you pretending. He actually wants you to be real with Him. Some of you today just need to be real with God and say, Lord, I struggle to pray. I struggle to engage with spiritual realities. Lord, I am asking you to awaken a fresh hunger in my heart for you. Lord, I am asking you to awaken a fresh desire in my heart for you. Father, wake me up from the distractions that have so overwhelmed my life. Lord, I want to be the warrior in prayer. I want to be the intercessor you've called me to be. I want to be the worshiper in the secret place that you've called me to be. Father, awaken my heart. So right now, I want you to just pray in your own words, in your own way. Just be able to talk to God, okay? You don't have to shout, but you have to be authentic. Remember what I said? Be real with God. Don't put on a show. Talk to God. The Bible says, when you pray, say. In other words, release words. Don't just think it. Speak it out. Speak. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I confess prayerlessness. Lord, I confess that I've been offended at you. Lord, I confess that I've been discouraged and I've been weary. And Father, this morning I'm coming before you in all honesty. And I'm saying, Father, awaken my heart again to seek you. Listen, by the way, 
if you don't know what to pray, just repeat my prayers. Say, Lord, awaken my heart to seek you like I've never sought you before. Lord, let all the distractions and all the weights and all the things that have been causing me to not be a person of prayer, let those things begin to fall away as I begin to embrace the process. Whatever the process looks like, Lord, I choose to go through the process and come out on the other side, a warrior, a victorious one for you, Father, more than a conqueror in everything you call me to. Father, I thank you for grace this morning. Thank you for grace this morning. If you'd like to, just lift your hands with me right now. I want to pray over us in this church right now. I want to ask for a spirit of grace to rest upon us. The Bible says it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And Father, right now, I speak over this church. I speak over Light Church right now. That Father, it's not by their power, it's not by their might, but it's by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you rest upon this church in a fresh way and bring a fresh awakening, bring a shifting. Father, bring a grace upon them like they've never known before. Even as they begin to go into times of fasting, times of prayer, contending for a building, contending for greater releases of your presence in this region. Lord, I'm asking that they will be warriors for you. That they will not give up, but they will break through. They will break through and they'll break out. And they will see masses of people turn to you in this community, Father, as they're faithful warriors in the place of seeking you and also in the place of being a witness for you wherever they go. So, Lord, I bless this congregation with a fresh stamina, a fresh fire, a fresh grace to seek your face, a fresh hunger right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you.